Hi, folks. Steve Urban here, founder and CEO at recruiting firm RiderFlex. If you enjoyed today's guest interview, please give it a like and be sure to subscribe to the RiderFlex podcast. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. Patty Beach on the Rider Flex podcast. Hi, Patty. How are you? Great. Thank you for being here. So, first thing I got to ask you about: Did you grow up in Oklahoma, or you just went to OU and you grew up somewhere else? Well, I actually went to school at OU, OSU, and University of Tulsa. So I saw I, that. I, all the big schools are. <laughs> but anyway, um, and I was born in Venezuela, so I grew up in the oil patch, and that's how I ended up in Oklahoma for school. Um, I yeah. see. I see. And so your dad, what, your dad was, your dad was in oil or just, or, or no, my dad was in oil. So he was working in Venezuela for, um, as an expat and he had his girls there. I come from a family of six girls. So I'm the fifth. Whoa. Sixth Whoa. Where yeah. are you? Where are you in the mix? I am the fifth of six girls. So I've got one baby sister. She's an environmental engineer. So a lot of us followed in my dad's footsteps. He was a uh, petroleum engineer. So we uh -huh. did map science and stuff like that. And I ended up becoming a geoscientist because I wanted to follow in his footsteps. And I went to oil patch for 15 years myself. I saw that. So he, I saw that. So he was a lifelong oil guy. How about your mom? Of course, I don't know, six girls. That was probably her full-time job. I you don't know. know. My <laughs> My mom actually always wanted to be a nurse. And when she was growing up, that was discouraged. Only the Spencers became nurses. I so she got her MRS degree, <laughs> went to college, married my dad, and then started a family. And she, they loved to travel around the world. That was one of the things they wanted to do. They were kind of boomers, you know, he had the GI Bill and all that. And so I got to live in uh, Venezuela and I lived in Argentina growing up. We had a ranch in Mexico. Cool. Uh, and then interesting to know about my mom was that after she had six kids she went to nursing school and became a nurse so she finally did what she really wanted to do wow how about that oh yeah. she re she's retired now obviously i'm guessing well she's passed unfortunately but okay. you know she she was an amazing person because she just had this gift for connecting with people everywhere we went around the world she would cook and people would come over and she would learn the recipes from that place and they would teach her how to cook and she would teach them her recipes. And so our house was always one of those households that just had a lot of, a lot of love going down. And oh, um, that's great. That's great. Yeah. How long has she been gone? Oh, she died in, I don't know, sometimes I can't remember, but like 20, uh, 27 or something like that. 2007. Or 20, I, 2007. I thing where, I, where I go like, wow, is mom really gone? Because she feels right? like she's here, you know? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It's yeah. A weird thing. Yeah, you know what? You answered that question like a lot of people do. Uh, they have to kind of pause like that because they they forget like how long. My wife and I were just having this conversation the other day. I said, "Well, how long has your mom been gone?" And same thing, kind of this pause and like, "Oh yeah, how many years has it been?" You're right. That's kind of how you think of it. So your dad's passed away too. Huh? Um, he lived a, so he lived just a few yeah. years after your mom. But what were they married? Like forty years, fifty years, something like that. Uh, more than fifty years. <sighs> yeah. And with those six girls, I mean, you gotta, you gotta appreciate a man who could live with uh, my mom, my grandmother and his six daughters. <laughs> and he was a man's man. Like, in fact, my, I was just talking to my nephew uh, the other day and he said, 
grandpa was like a marble man, wasn't he? And I was like, yeah, he did, you know, like rode horses, he had a ranch in Mexico, he did engineering, nice. you know, nice, and nice. rock hunting, you know, anyway, but he was also, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess he was born in the thirties. 1927. 27. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, <clears throat> those guys born right there, like 25 to, to, to 40, they were different. They were different, right? They, they were, they were a different breed. <laughs> My dad was born in 30. Yeah, they were, they were, okay. they were kind of the Marvel man, weren't they? Uh, Chris, they, they all. Say one thing. I was going to say one thing is that, you know, I saw my dad go through a huge transformation, which is interesting because he started real Marlboro tough and everything, you know, but then as he got older, he kind of softened up and um, it, it's, it was really interesting. Eventually he, after he retired, he started to do prison ministry as just kind of a hobby. And he had, he had this ministry of, he had this, these rules like, and one of them was listen, listen, love, love. That was dad's rule. You know, you just yeah, that doesn't that, that doesn't sound like a guy that was born in 27. <laughs> no, no, he kind of he went through big changes, and I don't know if it's because he had a bunch of daughters or you know, he just got his eyes open, but um, mm. yeah, he went from he was always a sweetheart, you know, that was just part of his personality. Yeah, um, yeah, but he was a really good listener and really loved people. Did you grow up in a religious family then? Go to church on Sundays, things like well, we that? Were, you know, we were Episcopal. I uh, went to Episcopal school sometimes growing up. And um, he went to church and sang the choir and stuff like that. But, you know, it was pretty uh, waspy kind of religion, <laughs> as they say. You know, I don't know if your <laughs> listeners listen, know what that reference is, but uh, yeah. Did you go to high school in Oklahoma then? Or you didn't? When did you move to Oklahoma? How old were you? In college. Oh, okay. Okay, gotcha. All right. And uh, so, by the way, I grew up in Chickasha, Oklahoma, which is about 30 minutes southwest of Norman, just so you know. Yeah, wow. <laughs> uh, so, too. That's awesome. A little bit, but I don't hear any accent on you, though. I don't I don't hear any accent. I think it was all the traveling, you know, growing up and um, everywhere. When I lived in Alabama. All my family sounds like they're from Alabama. Like my sisters live in Alabama now. Oh, really? And uh, if I have a couple of beers, the Alabama comes out, you know, and I think... <laughs> I'm bilingual Spanish, so sometimes oh, that, cool. you know, I have a couple of uh, Coronas, and then that comes out, you know, and you're like, whoa, she can actually speak Spanish. <laughs> That's know? nice. And then how about now? Are you married, kids, grandkids? Where are you at with your, your personal yeah. life partner? Yeah, go ahead. I'm, uh, I'm married. I'm actually remarried, so I, it's my husband, Chewed Otto, so I was married for 25 years, Now I got my new, new, <laughs> seven years now. <laughs> But anyway, uh, he and I are two peas in a pod, and I'm as happy as I could be. And so I got my own two kids, and then he's got two kids who are uh, my redheaded stepkids. And I only say that because they're really redheaded, like they have this copper oh, hair. Oh, yeah. okay. Everybody grown? All the kids grown? Pretty much. My youngest is 19, so he's still, no, we're working okay. on how to, you know, move out into his own his own bachelor pad pretty soon <laughs> here's yeah. an idea you just wake up one morning and say hey pack your shit get out <laughs> well, you know what it's kind of interesting so we're going to talk a little bit about alignment but we have a plan to do an alignment session with him about moving out you know <laughs> and my niece who works in my business is going to be our alignment practitioner can help us get straight like when are you moving out it's How good. much are we going to subsidize you? You know, what are you going to have to do to keep this subsidy going and all this stuff, right? And all that. But anyway. <laughs> Any grandkids? 
no grandkids, but I have a grandniece and she is badass. She's the cutest little thing. She's a year and a half and she lives really close to us. So she's almost like your granddaughter. Her name's Tippy. Oh, and we call it the, tip, we call it the, the tippy hood is where we live right now. We live in the tippy hood. The tippy hood. Okay. Very yeah. good. All right. All right. And so new husband, seven years. Is he from Colorado? Your, your second husband? He's from Colorado. He worked, he works as a consultant with startups. He's a tech person and mm -hmm. um, he's really interested in, in tech that can have a positive impact on humanity. Okay. So that's his kind of bailiwick. Okay. Um, you, where'd, how'd you meet him? You know, uh, this is kind of embarrassing, but I did coach him many years ago, like almost um, in 2000, I was assigned to him as his coach. Ah, and that's how I met him. So people actually say that um, he has a little nickname called Franken Roger, which means that he was uh, created in my laboratory, you know, because as a coach, <laughs> I got to... <laughs> I got to cook him up, you know, like perfect man, you know, and I actually, I actually had somebody like make a little poster when we got married and had, you know, Roger in his, in his chair and had all of these things, like these little levers and it said like, you know, a family man or whatever it was, I was like pulling the levers on him <laughs> and he's like, oh, the chair, anyway, it's pretty funny. Let me guess. So, so you got divorced, you were single for a bit. And then within what you, you called him up, you're like, Hey, Hey, you remember me? I'm the one that coached you. Are you, what are you doing? Are you free for dinner? How'd that work? Well, you know how this worked is I hadn't been coaching him for a long time. Cause he, but he had his own startup and he's like, I got a startup now and I can't really afford you because I'm bootstrapping and all that stuff. Right. But we would kind of sync up once in a while. Cause he would call me and say, Hey, I've got this problem. If I take you to lunch, will you give me, and I'm like, that, that's kind of free cheap coaching. Not exactly. You know, and <laughs> And we could have that kind of, bit. so if I had time, I'd say, okay, yeah, I'll meet you. And, um, and so one of those times I was meeting him for lunch and he said, um, you know, what's going on with you, which might've been the first time in the whole years I've ever known him that he would ask me that because as a coach, it was my job to pay attention to him. Right. Yes. Right. Right. And I said, well, it's kind of a sad day. I just put my house up for sale because I'm, you know, divorcing. And he goes, oh my God, I'm getting a divorce. And I'm like, oh, oh God, I'm so sad for you. You know? Wow, anyways okay. that's right. how that kind of got going and then, and then he was like well, what maybe you and i was like no you know friend zone then client zone that's like way out there you know so <laughs> it, took, it took a while for us to get out of that but finally i was like yeah you know and it was kind of funny because i don't know about you do you coaching do you coaching too I mean, not, not like you, no. I mean, you know, as a former CEO and now running my own business here, Rider Flex, our, our recruiting firm, I mean, I, I definitely advise and people will call me for tips, but nothing like your level. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe you've been coached, but anyway, I, um, I have this thing that I pretty much fall in love with all my clients. doesn't matter, you know, what it is, not, not in a romantic way, but I always get to know them. What is their, what is their passion? What are their ideas? Mm -hmm. And my husband, Roger, is very um, much like a lot of my clients. He's an idea guy and he wants to do things. That's why he loves working with startups because he's with all of these young entrepreneurs that are just, you know, got these great ideas and they're like babies that they're gestating and they want the babies to be able to like run on their own and be okay, yeah. you know, and all yeah. that. And so a lot of my, a lot of my book kind of was inspired by him, you know, ah. how to help people like him. Okay. Get their ideas on the table, build a business, you know, succeed. Um, so, you know, okay. much of it. And also it was part of my Frank and Roger thing to like make them into an even better entrepreneur. So, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Well, <laughs> how, how did you get to Boulder, Colorado in the first place? Because that's where you live now. How'd you get to Colorado? Well, uh, you know, I was a geoscientist for 15 years. I don't know if I mentioned that. But anyway, yeah. I just love Earth and, you know, I have this 
thing for hiking and mountains and all that. So it was my dream boat place to live. I and um, and I just about mid-career after I left my career in geology from the energy industry and left Houston, it was my pick of where to go. You know, I'd come out here for field camp and stuff like that. So I had a lot of good memories here. I mean, you went from the dark side to 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 the light, right? I mean, you worked for BP, you worked for an oil company and lived in Houston. Yeah. And then you and then you moved to Boulder. I mean, that's like night and day. <laughs> yeah. And I was a big tree hugger, even back then, you know. Oh, so you I'm in you energy. Okay. I was a tree okay. hugger back then. Okay. You know, and even though I lived in the conservative Houston, the Bible Belt and all that, but I've always been this tree hugger who's kind of practical tree hugger. Like, okay. you know, I, okay. I know I put gas in my car and why would I vilify these people that are doing something that we all need where, you know, using plastic, et cetera. And so I try to minimize the use of all of those things. But when I was in the energy industry, I believe that there was a place for tree huggers, that if we didn't have good tree huggers in the business, what would it turn into? Right. You know, so a lot of people think of the oil business as this, um, you know, kind of, um, I don't know, corrupt uh, thing and it's a bad business and it, destroys mm-hmm. the environment at BP. I mean, was the worst ecological disaster. Yep. And, uh, and I was actually a part of putting together the prospect where we, we got that block that when I was working for Amoco, which was later acquired by BP. Mm. And so that was one of the things that, you know, really hit me because I lived in Alabama on the coast when that all, all the oil spilled. Oh, oh like I see. That. I see. Yeah. Okay. But I back see. to the, being a tree hugger in there, you know, I believe there's a place for tree huggers and I still do. I believe there's a place for every voice in the business and that when leaders listen to those voices, then we come up with solutions that work better. And when we don't, then we end up, you know, with things that could end up with an ecological disaster like the BP um, blowout. Um, I, I love that practical tree hugger term. That is so, that's wonderful uh, because I do, I live in Colorado and I live close mm-hmm. to Boulder and uh, I do have conversations with people from Boulder that they're just, they're so far out there that it's, you can't even really have a logical conversation. It's like, Hey man, listen, I, I hear you, but see, look around, look on the highway over there. The world does still operate around oil right now. We can't, you know, it, I, I don't mind having a, having a logical, sensible, relaxed conversation yeah. with a, with a practical tree. I, I also am a believer in the triple bottom line. You know, profits mm. are important. Mm. People, is, people are important. And the mm. planet is important. Mm-hmm. And as a leader, I want leaders to be looking at all of those parameters and all of those variables for whatever it is they do. Mm. You know, mm. some people, there's a bigger impact on the planet, like oil and gas. You, you better mm-hmm. have some tree huggers in there. If you don't, then it'll, you know, we'll yeah. end up with devastation. Yeah. Um, good point. Really yeah. good point. Yeah. So what, so you're working for in the energy, uh, you were, you were with BP for a long time, 12 years and so forth. Was there a moment, was there like a, a tipping point or something that triggered you to say, I want to be a professional coach for a living, or did you just kind of ease into it? Walk us through the transformation. Okay. So First of all, I was a woman in oil and gas back in the late, you know, 80s, early 90s. And, you know, so I had to be one of those people who figured out the program to succeed, you know, come in and and follow all of the dude rules, you know, to succeed, which I was able to do because I had a good mentor who was helping me along, wanted to see women succeed, was one of the good guys, a lot of good guys, all of the good guys, all the guys want to see women succeed, just didn't really know how. So I got involved in creating a women's resource group, was the first one in the energy industry. Oh, and then we ended up creating, um, people wanted to know 
well, how did you do that? You know, because it was successful. You know, we actually were shaping the company. We implemented flex time. We implemented a childcare center on campus. Ah. Um, and that childcare center was something not only women used, a lot of guys took their kids there, you know, so it was very helpful for everyone. And we tried to really more humanize it. And then I got really interested in not only helping them set it up so it's good for women in terms of our lifestyle, but also that women have more influence on the business. How could okay. we say something so that they would hear our point of view, you know, and really incorporate that? And it wasn't always the way that the guys would say it. So um, I got involved in creating classes around understanding mm. how women communicate, men communicate. And um, I, I did a lot of interventions. I created classes for communication that did the Management Learning Center. And this is all in my side job while I'm a geologist, right? Oh, oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So, so actually not want to say side job. I was working there. Like they let me do these things in the company. As gotcha. a, yeah. yeah. And so um, the other thing that I found really interesting was how we made decisions. It felt like the, a lot of decisions were top down. And if you were a woman and you weren't in the room, or maybe you were lower on the totem pole, or maybe you're a geologist and there were engineers making the decisions that it wasn't inclusive enough. And having come from a family of girls where, you know, no one was boss over anyone else. I thought there's got to be a different way to do this. So it's mm -hmm. not so uh, command and control top down uh, that we feel like we can say what we need to say without monitoring everything we say. Mm -hmm. So I went off to grad school again uh, to study organizational development at Pepperdine University. And I learned all these modalities to work in a different way, a more human way in the workforce. You know, like I learned mm -hmm. about um, they have the star model, or maybe, uh, for example, just all kinds of socio-tech solutions like appreciative inquiry and all this kind of stuff. So I loved all the things that I learned, but I just thought they were too dang complicated. You know, oh. it was like, well, you got to get a grad degree and be an OD geek or a coach geek to think this is interesting, or you have to have a lot of money in a company to study all of these things. So I made it my goal to just simplify it. How can we create the best of the masculine style of leadership of you know, logic and agendas and getting stuff done and having metrics and all of these things and having structure and hierarchy with the, the more feminine style. I want to talk about masculine feminine, you know, men and women can do both of these things of nurturing people, putting people where their talents are, of noticing people's strengths, reinforcing people, mm. giving people a break, you know, having, having a little breather every once in a while so they can be creative. Now you're formulating all this and doing this um, as you're going to grad school. Did you, did you leave BP and, and you went to grad school and were you working well, while BP you were going to school? Well, BP paid for me to go to grad school. They actually <laughs> took an interest in what I was doing, you know, and yeah. thought, you know, cool. we need more of this in the company. I see. And uh, yeah. And so I, they gave me, um, a platform. I went to their management learning center and I taught classes. They were called uh, sources of power, understanding masculine and feminine energy. You know, that was what they were called back then, you know? Yeah. And I did my master's thesis on understanding masculine and feminine energy as an organizational intervention, you know? So that's a lot of the blah, 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 long words, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that I was really wanting to create this environment that everyone of every gender identity, no matter what, but, you know, just all voices could be heard and every voice mattered. And it didn't mean that every voice matters means, OK, everybody gets a vote and we'll wait until everybody's happy to do something. But that <laughs> there was an opportunity for people to share their point of view and feel that idea to feel welcome, 
Meanwhile, we would still narrow it down to the few ideas that were strategic to do because we don't have all the time in the world to do. There are lots of good ideas, but too many are not good. Then you end up with scatter, right? Mm -hmm. So alignment is really about helping the best ideas to rise to the uh, top and the bad ideas to be removed faster and for it to be something that people do together in a co-creative way because co-creativity results in co-ownership. Like I don't want to tear down something I've built. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to engage people. We have a lot of words like this in business right now, engagement, inclusion, all that stuff. And it's a great concept and very aspirational, but most people don't know how to do it. Right, agreed. Have time, you know. Agreed, That's- agreed, agreed. Um, let me ask you. I want to just make sure I understand the transition. So, what happens? You finish your degree. You is this a slow transition? I finished my, where- I finished my degree, and um, you know, BP had just acquired Amico, where I was working. Okay. And I took a severance package, and then I moved okay. to Colorado, where I always wanted to leave. I wanted to get out of okay. Houston. Okay. You know, and as much as I love Houston, you know, I have to say Colorado is better. You know, like oh, I like oh, it yeah. better anyway. You know? yeah. 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 But anyway, okay. so I moved out to where I always wanted to be so I could, and I made it my life's goal, start my own business and make it such that I could ski every Wednesday. I want to be able to ski in the middle of the week when nobody was there, you know, nice. so that was, my, that was nice. my goal. I did that the first year I was here. I got hiking boots and skis and, you know, that was my be all end all, you know. Uh. Uh, very good. Okay. And did you start, and by the way, the name of your company for the listeners, Leadership Smarts, and it's leadershipsmarts.com. Did you do your original coaching under that brand name from the very beginning, or did that change later? Well, I was originally True North Programs. Oh, okay. And so the idea being, you know, as a leader, you want to find your True North, mm-hmm. and we call it Programs because my business partner, Jennifer Joyce, who's shout out to her, she was awesome mentor of mine and co-founder of the business, um, we wanted programs because we knew that leadership wasn't like an event. You know, what we were seeing a lot of times mm-hmm. is people doing like a class and then mm-hmm. oops, they never used it. Like that was a waste of time, right? Mm-hmm. So we wanted to do development where it was a process. It had a combination of classes and coaching. So we did mm-hmm. six to 12 month uh, leadership programs. Um, and you and her, and that's how you started the business. It was just you and her in the beginning. And what ha- is she still with you? Well, we were together for 13 years and now okay. she's moved into retirement. And so she lives in Mexico and she actually is doing, um, she does a discipline called uh, conscious uncoupling. So she does helps coach couples. And uh, she, she actually uses a lot of live practice because we developed that methodology together. She was a co-creator of alignment methodology. Hmm. And um, she helps couples that are struggling. And oh. so they do conscious uncoupling, but most of them don't, don't uncouple because Jennifer is just an awesome you know, coach. So she helps them come together and get real clear about what they're creating together. Did you change it to leadership smarts after she left? Is that when you? Well, no, we both changed it to leadership smarts because uh, what happened with true North programs is um, true North programs is kind of a long URL. And then also Bill George, who was like a Harvard guy wrote a book called true North and he started a company and people would call us and think we were Bill George. I see. I see. Yeah. You know, and stuff like that. So, um, Bill George is awesome. So I'm like, if you think I'm Bill, Bill George, like, okay, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, actually not, right? <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> so then Leadership Smarts became available. And I'm like, this is exactly what we do. You know, we develop, we believe that leadership is like oh. multiple forms of intelligence, social intelligence, emotional intelligence, inclusive intelligence. You know, so you want to bring those 
um, make that something like a smarts you can develop, you know? So I see. Okay. Well, now's probably a good time. Give us the leadership smarts overview as it stands today, the elevator pitch, if you will, give it to us. Okay, so Leadership Smarts is, uh, we like to say that we're a company that creates practical tools for powerful leadership. So as I mentioned, uh, we develop leaders. I, mean, I don't know if I mentioned that, but we do. We do leadership development and executive coaching, and we develop coaches. So our specialty is alignment coaching. Mm -hmm. And alignment coaching helps create a, a leader that can practice alignment and become a master aligner, which is the mm -hmm. key thing that leaders have to do. So a lot of organizations and leadership companies are focused a lot on the social emotional development of the leader. And they might do things like this profile, Myers-Briggs and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. And it doesn't quite get to the heart of getting a lot of people in the room and getting them on the same page, moving together, <laughs> you know? So is it, like uh, it? If you can't do that, the, then, you know, like it's not leadership, right? Uh, so. so is it, is it more of a specialty to help the, the leader as an individual improve or is it's more to help them improve their relationship and communication with the team well we have uh you know team coaching and leader coaching and okay. usually we do it together leader and team coaching and see. we work with them on three levels so the first level is um, personal alignment so if i don't know where i'm taking the team then they're not going to follow me like nobody's going to mm -hmm. follow you if you don't even know where you're going so mm -hmm. we help leaders get really clear about what it is that they want to create what are their ideas and how they put those ideas on the table and anything they may be doing, which may be blocking alignment. Like if they got mm. an ego issue, they're too attached to their ideas or they're maybe timid. You know, it's hard to get people to align with you if you're feeling a little underconfident and stuff like that. So mm. we work with leaders on that. And then we also do interpersonal alignment. So we would help the leader map out all the relationships of key people that they're working with and maybe team members, but it may be people like mentors or upper management and expand their network. So we have a lot of tools to help them create relationships conducive to alignment. Mm. So what I mean by okay. that, it's easy to work stuff out together. And if you have a problem, you just pick up the phone, you work it out. You know, and when relationships are conducive to alignment, then your ideas have a place to take hold. And then the third yeah. level is team alignment, right? So okay. team alignment is getting your whole team on the same page and helping everybody come up with a common view of like your mission, your vision, your five-year plan, your three-year plan, your one-year plan your work process, your roadmap. So alignment can be used for anything you want to get two or more people on the same page. Um, mm. And you can kind of do it, you know, organic cowboy style when it's just a couple of people, but when it gets to be bigger, like you're a senior leader in an organization, mm -hmm. it's a lot tougher. So these three, these three um, things that you just talked about there, uh, is it, can you buy these packages individually? Do you sell it all as a, as a package? Well, How do you, you work with us as a coach? It just comes with it. You know, like we, we work with you, we have this like retainer arrangement and it's an unlimited coaching arrangement and I we see. help you work on all three of those levels. And if we do a team package, then we work with all your team members too. Okay. Um, okay, great. All right. Very good. And is it, um, it's, it's put up a retainer and then pay monthly. Is that the, or do you have different packages for different? Yeah. It's like a subscription model because when you get in there, you know, we're, we're doing live action coaching, which means okay. that we're working with the leader live with their team, you know, so especially for the team model, like if we're doing private coaching, maybe not so much, but, um, so we work with leaders on real issues and challenges and we give them tools like the alignment tool. And then there's other tools we give them to do this work. Mm -hmm. um and then they use it with their teams so what's really cool okay. about this is that they get a lot of 
they build a cohesive team, they implement the tools, solve problems they've been stuck on, like if they've been having trouble making decisions or having some conflict on the team. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then we develop them because, you know, at the heart of it is, um, you know, if the leader has the right frame of mind, this inclusive frame of mind, and they don't have their ego in the way or too much fear in the way of bringing people mm -hmm. in, that's mm -hmm. where we see the leader take off. It, um, let me ask you about the, uh, the, the, the fees and services a little more. Cause I know, and the reason I'm trying to dive in there is because every single company I've ever dealt with could use your services to a certain degree. I mean, every company, right. I, I was just telling the team the other day, I mean, there, there really isn't a company on planet earth that isn't messy a little bit in some form or fashion in oh, some yeah. way. And so the problem is a lot of small to medium-sized businesses can't afford usually um, services like yours, even though they need them. So is it, is it, is it month to month? Do I have to sign a 12 month contract? No, and you know, we do it. We do a six month contract and then they, okay. they you know, it goes month to month after that. They I just see. have to you know, okay. cancel it. It takes, it takes at least six months to really, mm -hmm. you know, get the mm -hmm. skills down and bet them in the team. And we don't want to mm -hmm. kind of just, Give it to you conceptually. We want to close that knowing doing gap. How do you, what is it that you've learned okay. and how do you do okay. it? Right. Okay. So that okay. by the time they become master aligners, and some people work with us longer because mm. you know they've got big organizations, like sometimes we're with CEOs or we work with the head of a business unit, and there's a lot of people to align, you know. So really there's work with them. Mm -hmm. And we do and some you... of the traditional things like we do 360s and okay. you know, personality profiles as part of the process. Um, I have one other thing I was going to mention is. In addition to my practice offering alignment coaching, I train people to become alignment coaches, right? Mm, mm. So there are many, um, you know, smaller, uh, wonderful practitioners now who are alignment coaches, like Mike Green, one of the guys that, you know, was on mm -hmm. a, your podcast. Was on a podcast, yep. He's a master yep. certified coach. So he's a certified alignment practitioner. And um, we're recruiting our next class of coaches that want to work with leaders in this way. You know, ah. really help them transform themselves and their teams as fast as possible. Now, is that is that a referral partnership? Do you do you just uh, do do they hire you to get this certification and then you're done with them, or when they go on to get well, clients, so is that yeah? Here's the, here's the thing. So I am the queen of alignment. Like, if you want to get a really great alignment person, come to me in my practice, and I've got you know I got you covered, and I've got really great alignment practitioners that I work with. So if the project's good, I can cherry pick the people for my practice. Uh -huh. So we do that. Okay. So here's the deal. Um, I'm, you know, getting to the stage of my life where I've been doing alignment coaching for a long time, 30 years. Mm -hmm. And it is killer good. I've stayed busy as a coach my whole entire life. Meanwhile, I got to the stage of my life where it's like, what is the impact? What is the legacy I want to leave? Mm. Right. And mm. I believe I want leaders to operate this way. I want them to be inclusive. I want them to be productive. I want them to feel like their good ideas can take hold. Mm. I want them to avoid bad ideas, like what led to the ecological disaster and BP. You know, I want leaders to be this way for my kids and for the future. You know, that's my whole goal. And so by developing alignment practitioners, then I make sure that as I get to the point where I want to, you know, be on the mm. beach in Mexico, that that work takes off in other countries. So right now I've got a line practitioner in South Africa and one in Barbados. We just did alignment down in Jamaica this last week with two, mm. two alignment practitioners I'm training. I see. You know? And so my goal is to spread alignment like around the world. That is my but are they part of your brand? Are they, are they, do they work? No, they have their brand? own. 
Okay. Some of them are part of my brand. I bring them in. You want to hire us? You know, I bring I bring in the best of my people that I'm training. But some of them have nothing to do with my brand. They have their own practices. Ah, and one yeah. thing I want to tell you real quick, real, this is kind of cool. So as an example, um, I train one alignment practitioner who works with people with autism. And so I don't do that. I'm especially in that. I see. They're, they're using the principles and practices to help adults with autism learn how to um, be good employees. And how about that? Date each other, you know, as an example. <sighs> There's a lot of specialties. And then you got like Mike Green. He does, takes people out in the bush, right? You know? And yeah, I love that. He's adding alignment to that, you know? So it's all these different flavors of stuff that are not in my wheelhouse. I'm I'm with businesses. That's my main thing, you know? Do you, do you spend more time now teaching these individual uh, alignment coaches or do you spend more time engaging with businesses? What What's, how do you well, spend your time? Right now, I'm on my, uh, I'm starting at my fourth cohort of alignment practitioners. Okay. So we have program starts in the fall and one that starts in the, you know, ah, just at ah, school, the semester. I see. I see. Yeah. And it's all virtual. And so I just, I'm always sure that I'm kicking out practitioners. Now oh. I'm starting to develop the master caps. Those are called certified alignment practitioners. They're coaches that do do alignment, but you don't have to be a coach, mm. you can be a project manager. You could be a change management person, mm, mm, mm. HR person. You could be a leader. Um, so anyway, that program is helping me make sure that there's always a steady supply of people out love it. teaching love it. alignments, right? If and you're interested in software if, that for alignment that, oh, really, really? Yeah. And what is it? Like, tell me, tell me about it. Well, so the alignment process is about people putting a proposal out there and inviting people to give feedback, which everybody does, but mm -hmm. it's got these five C's formula that allows the feedback to come in in a way that makes it easy to integrate multiple people's uh, ideas into the uh, formula. Uh, and then there's a whole process for voting that kind of depends on, you know, how hierarchical you are, how much you want to distribute the, you know, the decision-making authority. What's so, the name of the software? It's going to be, it's not done yet. But it's called Art of Alignment Online. Uh, uh -huh. going to be okay. So, All right. So this software would allow leaders to put their proposal in there, gather all the information, um, help get decisions to have a place where all those decisions are documented. Mm. And then eventually it'll be in multiple languages. So you could work in like, you know, uh, you could put your ideas in in Spanish and it would make them English. Or wow. Like wow. So you, not only are you a professional coach yourself, but you've built a company of people yes. that do that and you're built and you're teaching other people to go out and do it and you're going to now build a little software some software so now you're going to be a tech company by the way is that are you going to launch that software under a different I'm busy the what now? you're going to launch the software under a different company name or llc or are you going to find no, it's all coming under leadership smarts okay all right and, yeah. and then oh and then oh by the way you also wrote a book somewhere in your spare time and let's talk about mm -hmm. that by the way for, for the listeners the name of the book is the art of alignment Patty Beach, it's available on Amazon and the reviews on Amazon for outstanding. Congratulations on that. Tell us about the book real quick. Okay. So first of all, I want to mention the subtitle because that's important, right? Okay. Yep. The subtitle is a practical guide to inclusive leadership, mm. right? And that tells you really what the book's about. It's my belief that, um, you know, leadership used to be more like selling and telling and, you know, do what I say and that kind of stuff, right? That was leadership. And that's how you reached alignment was by being the big boss and being in charge and having carrots and sticks to get people to do stuff. And that works. It's nothing wrong with it. You know, it's built the biggest companies in the world, right? Yeah. But meanwhile, my belief is that we need a new form of leadership that's inclusive. That means that every voice matters. 
that you should never as a leader say, oh, I don't want your idea or, you know, don't tell me about that. You should always be open to hearing from people. Mm -hmm. Um, Meanwhile, you know, like I said, inclusive doesn't mean that everybody is going to have a vote in what happens or that you keep working until everybody's happy. In the end, in a business, you had to be strategic. And so you hear a lot of good ideas. How do you narrow, the, narrow those ideas into the, the few that you really want to do? But if you do it in an inclusive way, if you include people in that decision-making process, or even let them just listen to the decision-making process or weigh in on the decision-making process, what you find is that people don't tear down what they build up. So one of the principles of alignment in the book is called iterative co-creation. So what does that mean? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. iterative means, well, iterative means it takes multiple steps. Like if I'm going to co-create with you, I'll give you, you know, give you an idea, get your reaction, and then I need to give you time to think about it. Then we come back to it. You know, that it has to be iterative. And especially in a company where you have multiple layers, like you might have to get your team to get clear and then run it up the flagpole to senior mm-hmm. leadership mm-hmm. or you, you know, get mm-hmm. run it by certain people. And that's usually not all at the same time, unless you have my future software, you could do it all at the same time. Anyway, it's a series of Zoom meetings, you know, and all of that and helping leaders understand that so that they don't do what's normally been done, which is I'll just give you a 20 minute slot. I'll talk about this for 18 minutes and give you two minutes to weigh in, you know, and then we hope we got a decision and then you didn't do it. We have no idea why you didn't do it. Right. You know, we go. Right. That's how it's normally happening. Right. So the iterative part and then co-creative means I bring people into it. You know, I. I listen to them. I listen to learn. I don't just include them so they feel included. Right. I them because they have good ideas, and you know why wouldn't I include them? Those are that's my talent. That's my brain trust that I'm trying to tap into. So that's what the book's about. How to do that in an efficient, uh, fair, transparent um, way, so that whatever good idea you have is way better by the time okay. that you've included other people. Did you write the book for for marketing purposes for the business, for your own personal legacy? What was the original strategy for the book? I wrote the book as a vanity book. Like I just wanted to write a book. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, I didn't have a lot of like strategy around marketing, but I also wrote the book because I thought these are really great ideas. Like I've been doing this and I've seen teams transform, you know? So I wrote the book for leaders. It's written not for coaches or OD consultants and stuff like that. It's it's written for leaders like Roger, my husband, I was talking about, or startup founders, or they could be a senior leader. It doesn't really matter what level you are in the organization, but anybody in business, it could be like a government agency or, you know, it could be a university. It doesn't matter. But if you're a leader and you want to make things happen, then I wrote that book for you. Okay. Very good. Very good. I was actually shocked people bought it, you know, like I, I, (laughs) and they liked it, you know. Uh, and I actually read the book through finally when I got the box, opened it up and, you know, and I, I thought I've never actually read it all the way through because I had always edited it as I went, you know, and my yeah. final book, stop editing. So I started reading it the night I got my book and took, I read it for about an hour and a half. Then I went to bed and had another hour and a half in the morning and I was like, damn, that's actually pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a ghostwriter? No, I did not. I worked with Scribe. They helped me. I had a coach, writing coach. So there was no ghost writer. And they they gave me an editor. And it was really kind of uh, interesting because they don't want to influence the writer too much. So they won't tell you if it's good or they won't tell you it's good or give you praise or any of that as you're writing it. They say, we will just make sure you don't kick out a bad book. So that's all they say throughout the entire process. 
So as I'm writing it, I'm feeling like, oh my gosh, you know, like I need some feedback here. You know, is this any good? And people that I gave it to as beta testers said it was good, but I didn't believe them because they're my friends, you know? So I'm like, yeah, you have to say that, you know? Are you going to do an audio version? I am. I'm working on, on an audio version. Very good. Okay. Very good. I, that's how I listen. I mean, I, I don't even know. Uh, yeah. You're on the treadmill, you're on your walk or you're on your drive, whatever. It's just yeah. so much easier. Right. I can't so even read easier. anymore. Like I can't yeah. read. I have to listen to it myself. I'm, I'm lame that yeah. way, but you would want to get the book anyway. Cause there's a lot of things that, you know, there's charts and you want to reference. Now. Good. Yeah. Okay. Very good. And, and, and it's available on Amazon, the art of alignment, a practical guide to inclusive leadership by Patty beach. Congratulations on the book. I want to ask you a few wrap up questions here as we get close. And by the way, I, our time is flying by. I could ask you, a million more questions. A couple of things here. What What is the most common challenge or issue, trying to think of the right word, with a CEO that you, you meet? You've met a bunch of CEOs, the narcissist, the, the ego, the, the original founder who created some of the things they know everything. I mean, you've, you've seen it all, right? You've probably seen it all. <laughs> um, yes, I have seen what, it all. What's the most common challenge or problem you see with a ceo uh and and what would you what advice would you give to that person i know that's what you get paid to do for a living but maybe a, a couple of tips yeah i think that the biggest you know challenge with the ceo is that they can get really impatient you know and mm -hmm. um with good reason time is money when you're a ceo you're trying to do mm -hmm. things etc and they underestimate um getting people involved that the time it takes to get people involved what I will say is if they do get people involved early on, it pays off. It's faster in the long run. Mm. But what they do is they kind of tend to bake things out and roll it out and stuff like that in, in a kind of a closed quarter room, et cetera. And they're not tapping into the ideas from the bottom up. So that would be mm. my advice. How about it? How about some quick uh, tips for an incoming CEO where uh, the original founders have always have run the business or maybe it was a family yeah, business, yeah. family, original founders. And now all of a sudden this outsider is coming in. Yeah, well, you always underestimate. Here's the thing. I was working with a CEO like this and he had been baking everything off, you know, with his co-founder and stuff like that. And then he brought in new team members and they were doing this big, you know, kickoff meeting and helping everybody get on the same page. And he thought, oh, everything that I'm saying, they're going to get it exactly like I'm saying it, you know, and they're going to, you know, and he was shocked. He thought and partially too, because he works with like software development and they're kind of quiet, you know, and I said, Hey, you know, we need to do sessions. And, and he said, well, they, I don't know if they'll get engagement. They'll get radio silence. Part of it was radio silence because they, his psychological size, you know, like he's so important. I don't want a challenge or how do I look good with this person, et cetera, you know, and so I was like, you got to really engage. You have to ask questions. That's why in my book, I got the five C's so that they know how to make sure that they're asking for clarifications, for compliments on an idea, concerns about it, suggested changes, commitment. Otherwise, you think they're committed. They're all nodding. Here's important. <laughs> nodding heads like you're doing right now yeah. does not mean anything. It doesn't mean I understand. I it doesn't mean I agree. It means nothing. Right? Oh, that's good. Until you get in there and really like learn how to probe. That's the second step of alignment. Then you'll see, oh, now they got it. 
so that you're not like, oh, you have that joke, like my boss told me, you know, bring a rock. So I brought a rock. It's not that rock. Right. And it's because they don't have take the time mm -hmm. to make sure that the person understands what kind of rock and why that rock matters. <laughs> and, you know, how much time do you think it should take for them to bring a rock and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's good stuff, Patty. Well, we could do we could do a whole another podcast episode on on some of this stuff. Now we're getting into. I always tell as a CEO myself, not only with with Ryder Flex, our recruiting firm, but for some companies before, longtime executive. When I'm talking to young uh, CEOs now, one of the very first things I say is, "Listen, listen. Here's the deal: talk less, listen more, and ask questions." I know that you've gotten to where you're at primarily by telling 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 and sharing and your yes. ideas and you did this but now when you now that you're up here you need to listen more and ask more questions which you're not used to doing <laughs> yeah that's one of the key thing i have that listen to learn right i love that so a lot of I times they that. listen because they, i'll listen to make you feel heard you know because of course i'm important and you're you need to feel heard and when i feel like you're heard, then you feel important, which is true. Yes, Nothing yes. wrong with that. But if I'm actually listening, not just for you to feel heard, but so I hear you and get something out of it, then we got something going on. Mm -hmm. Now you're going to be super stoked that, wow, I gave an idea to my CEO and he loved it and took it, made something happen. Oh, now I'm mm -hmm. on fire to work for this company, right? Yes. So that's a very subtle but important distinction that I would say is kind of the main nut to crack with the people that we're coaching. Mm. How do they put aside their judgment long enough for this person to inform their judgment? Doesn't mean they have to agree. Doesn't mean they have to actually do what that person said. But they need to know why they're saying no to it, you know? And can they bring that into the equation? So now we're working on alignment. Otherwise we're just working on until you figure out what I want you to do, right? You know, right? <laughs> not yet. No, not yet. Oh, that is good stuff, Patty. That's yeah, good stuff. Yeah, you're missing all the juice from all these people and, you know, uh, all their great ideas. And, oof. you know, if you really want your business to grow, that's a key, key skill. Good stuff. Patty Beach, uh, connect with her on LinkedIn but and, and the uh, company website, leadershipsmarts.com. You can go there. Last question uh, for you. At this stage in your life, kind of going forward, how would you define your core purpose in life moving forward? What does that sound like for you? Yes. So my core purpose is to help everyone realize that every voice matters and together we really can solve any problem. Oof. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Pat, Patty, thank you so much for being on the Rider Flex podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I love being here. It's great fun talking to you.